Welcome to this week's episode of Pennsylvania Heroes. My name is Nick Yost. I'm a U.S. Army veteran. Pennsylvania Heroes highlights stories, benefits, and issues impacting our state's military, first responders, as well as the organizations serving our communities. Today we're talking to Teresa Rusby, Executive Director of LRJ Foundation. How's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Thanks. So um, I've heard so much about LRJ Foundation, and I was hoping you could just tell us a little bit about your background and and your inspiration for starting the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so the LRJ Foundation was uh, founded by my twin sister and I, you know, Carla Rusby, um, back in 2012. Um, our message is the better than yesterday movement and we like to encourage positive mental health throughout our communities and schools and uh, this was not something that we ever planned to start it was kind of something that was created out of a tragedy that my family and our community have experienced Um, my sister and i lost our younger brother to suicide in 2011 and that's what started the lrj foundation lou Rusby jr foundation was um, started because uh, our brother had dealt with some depression and anxiety uh, for several years starting in high school uh, bullying issues Um, anxiety depression was a major cause and just of undiagnosed untreated mental health lack of education, um, knowledge, encouragement to get help. He found himself in a pretty hopeless place. And in uh, December 23rd, two days before Christmas, he ended ended up taking his life. So that pretty much, you know, shocked our world, uh, changed our our entire life, changed my trajectory of my career. And for the last, um, going on almost nine years, you know, I'm executive director and running the organization. And I have to say that it's, I love my job. I love what I do. Um, trying to help others find hope and optimism in a, a future that they thought they couldn't have. Um, it's been my passion. So we've created, you know, something out of a very tragic situation, but it's turned into an educational movement um, in ways that we strive to make everyone's today, you know, better than it was yesterday. You know, it's, a, it's incredible that, um, out of out of that tragedy such a movement has been created but what's that like i get how do you go from losing a a brother to deciding hey you know what we can help other people um so they don't have to go through that i mean do you remember what you know what that progression was like yeah you know and it's it's a journey you know this has been such a journey and it's been very different um, looking back from starting the organization to where I am now, you know, near nine years later. Um, we have different programs in place. We have different, um, you know, areas of focus that we're leaning towards. Um, but mostly it's, it's my mindset that's changed. It's, it's I've grown and what I really can nail it down to is education and understanding, you know, knowledge and awareness that I wish I had back in the beginning, not even, you know, the beginning of starting the organization, but in the beginning where I realized my brother was starting to experience some of these problems and concerns and struggles that he was going through. If I was more aware and more knowledgeable, um, I could have maybe had the resources or, you know, the 
confidence to help him more. And uh, it's so empowering now to me because I, I just had this conversation with one of our counselors this morning because we're prepare, preparing a educational presentation to a high school, to a group of students that sadly lost a peer to, to suicide just about a month ago. So we're gonna go in and do some educational conversation, kind of just you know support them, answer any questions they have and lead them through the recovery process and the grief process, which I understand you know to the max. So I look at that and I see what this means and it's, I'm in a position where I can go in and support someone that's going through something very hard and doesn't know how to get through it. And for me, I've already done that. You know, you're always kind of going through grief and loss, right? But I've gone through the hard already. I've climbed over that mountain and I'm able to kind of, you know, get down to the valley and dig deep and understand what all these feelings would mean of anger and sadness and, and guilt. And and for me to be able to explain this to someone and say, hey, you know, this is going to get better, but it's going to take a lot of work and I can help you do that. I can get you through that. Um, it's it's everything to me. Wow. And and thinking about, uh, you know, on that topic of suicide and um, when, you, when you talk about awareness and, and knowledge that you have now versus previously, yeah, I mean, can you talk about that a little bit more? Like what's, what do you now know? Right. You know, now is that what I know now is that it's, it's never um, something we should take lightly. Um, it's always something that you need to think it, it can end you know, the worst possible situation, because ultimately it can, um, being direct, you know, diving right in and asking the hard questions, which I thought I did, but it, you know, it's, it's, you just never know. Right. But to me, it's understanding, you know, people, you know, when we talk about the world we're in, no matter what we're doing right. You know, now we're having a conversation, you know, it's, it's, it's communication. Um, when it comes to supporting someone that may be going through suicidal ideations, um, depression, anxiety, mental illness, it's all about communication. And I think that sometimes it's, it's hard for people to realize that they think it's, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help them. You don't have to have all those answers. It's, it's not a huge problem we're trying to solve here. All you're trying to do is to connect with someone. Because when someone's in a place of you know, major depression, suicide, wanting to end their life, um, feeling like they're helpless and hopeless. They're not connected to anything. They're very disconnected. So what you're trying, all you need to do is to connect to someone. The answer to me, for me, for suicide prevention is connection. It's making someone feel like they belong. It's bringing a positive, you know, support system into their life. That is suicide prevention. So right there, that's not a big, you know, a big um, hurdle to jump over. It's not, you know, the lost mystery to suicide prevention. All we need to do is bring it back down to the basics and say, how could I better communicate with someone to understand what they're going through better? You know, how can I be there to support them better? And how do I have that conversation? You know, how can I connect with them in a way I'm not connecting with them right now? So I think back, you know, how could I better connect it with my brother? where he was so disconnected, you know, not just being there, you know, um, not even having all the right answers, you know, sometimes just being there, letting someone know that you are that safe place. If they have to open up and share something, 
they know you're there. Um, and that comes with just increasing the way we communicate. Um, so much empathy, you know, comes into this and just letting someone know you're there. And when I mean, again, I had this conversation again today because this is just the world I live in and I absolutely love it. You're talking to one of our counselors today is about the difference between empathy and sympathy. We live in a place to be sympathetic when something is wrong. Um, you know, we find out that someone's grandmother just died. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Boom, period. You know, we're done. Okay. You told them that you were sorry. And did that really make them feel better? Did that help them through their struggle, their grief, their loss? Not really. But if you said, you know, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I can't imagine what that feels like. Or I'm so sorry to hear that I remember when I lost my grandma, how hard that must be for you right now. Um, is there anything you need? You know, now it's like, oh, wow, okay. You know, I'm, I'm, they're feeling a little bit more connected to you, um, a little bit more trustworthy there. They're feeling a little bit more um, supported versus then, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, period. So it's, it's the conversation, right? It's the way we can go into someone and, and connect to them. Because we have to remember when someone is in a state of struggle, um, hardship, they're kind of they're kind of you know in a very um I'm trying to think of a better word but reckless um unsettled state of mind place phase in their life so it's hard for them to make you know good solid smart um confident decisions because they're kind of all over the place their life is maybe shaken and torn up right now so ones that are in a little bit more stable place at the time we have to come in and, and kind of ground them a little bit, connect to them a little bit more so we can kind of bring them to a place where they can't get the best help. You know, it's like a two-year-old, you're gonna hold their hand walking up and down the steps so they don't fall. We may have to do that, even if it's a 30, 40, 50-year-old, you know, man or woman at the time that we need to kind of just come in and, and walk alongside them, have those better conversations, be that support system. Um, so to me, that's what I would go back and do all over again. And what I want to share now that we never know when we're going to come in contact with someone that is going to go through struggle or is going through struggle right now, or maybe yourself. But, you know, we have to be prepared to go through that because life isn't easy. Life isn't a smooth road. We, we know right now going through like a pandemic and, um, you know, economic, you know, struggles and ups and downs. In, in, in all parts of our lives and businesses and family, um, it's it's a struggle, you know? So some people struggle harder than others or at different times in our life, but at some point in our life, we all go through something really hard. So why aren't we gonna learn things to make it easier? Uh, we have to think that, you know, going through life is we're gonna have these struggles. So how can I be the most productive and successful and, and positive and, and moving forward um, by making sure that we do what we need to do to take care of ourselves, first and foremost. That makes a lot of sense. Um, having been in the military, I, I know of a lot of people, unfortunately, that I served with that took their own life. And there is just, mm -hmm. I don't think that there's anything else that really just takes your breath away and also mm -hmm. has you questioning everything that you said or should have picked up on, right. um, you know, like someone taking their own life. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, um, I'll even sometimes I get, um, 
at moments now, you know, going on nine years past my brother's passing, it'll hit me like a brick wall. You know, I kind of get myself so lost in life or, you know, moving forward and absorbed into my work that something will hit me, you know, maybe an upcoming holiday or getting excited about seeing family. And it's like, oh gosh, you know, Louis's not there, you know, and it just hits you again. It's just like, oof, you're right. It does. It just, it takes your breath away even as time passes. Um, but that initial hit, it's so gut-wrenching and, um, you know, it's just such a, a shock and, and you feel so like helpless and what can you do when all these emotions come to you? And I'm like, I, I've said this a million times, I've felt emotions that I've never knew existed. Like, you know, what was this feeling? Hmm. And you... that's why going through something like that, it's, it's very hard to try to go through it by yourself. You know, having that support system, reaching out to whether it's a counselor, a friend, family members, and staying connected. Again, I'm going to say this over and over. Connection is so important. Um, being connected is, is one of our biggest protective factors, you know, from us going through um, struggles or suicide, you know, by ourselves because, you know, relationships are such an uh, integral part of our lives. You know, we are meant to connect, you know, research shows, you know, being connected is one of the greatest protective factors um, for our, our well-being. And, and I think you make a great point about communication um, as, as, we're having conversations with people are there are there things that are typically said or ideas that come up in conversations that let someone know you know hey this this person is not in a good place right now and and could mm -hmm. potentially hurt themselves yeah you know it's um and it's tricky too right because every every individual person every single person um carries themselves a different way. They express themselves a different way, the way that they, um, and it's hard too, because I've said, I mean, you know, sometimes those that are going through the biggest struggles or end up taking their lives to, to suicide are the best actors out there. You know, they put on this poker face, this, this uh, mask that we said, they wear this mask so well of masking their emotions, masking their feelings, masking life um, behind and on the inside, you know, they're, they're literally dying on the inside. And it's so hard to see that on the outside if we don't know what to say, if we don't know how to recognize these things. And it could be tricky. There can some people, I've talked to so many parents and, and, and friends that say, you know, I had no idea this was coming. But if you start looking back at the patterns and maybe behaviors, um, you start piecing it together. And that's what I did with my brother too, to start piecing it together um, at the moment where he had ended up taking his life, you would think, how is this possible? He was in a place of his life where he seemed settled. He was in school going for pre-med. He was tutoring biology and chemistry at Keystone College. Um, he seemed to be in a really great place in his life. How does someone do this here? Well, it's not always the here and now in the moment when someone takes their life. You know, you don't get to a place and have one bad moment happen and all of a sudden you end up taking your life from that it usually is a pile up years months of hardships and, and trauma or stressors that came into your life and sometimes you know clinical mental health disorders 
medication issues and things like that. There, there's an, an array of things. So that's why it's so hard to know. But some of the things to really have people look out for with warning signs when it comes to someone that you're concerned about, again, is having these conversations like we talked about. But if someone is starting to say things out of the norm, you know, that they may be saying, you know, I'm such a burden. Like I'm always just, I feel like I'm such a burden on your life and they feel less valued than valuable um, around. They talk about, literally talk about hurting themselves or, you know, taking their life. They say they have no reason to live. You know, they feel like they're just trapped. You know, no matter what they do, nothing ever gets better. I'm always kind of, you know, this always happens to me, you know, things like that. That's the constant talk. They're just, they're isolating themselves away from others. Um, not coming out like they used to. They used to be kind of the life of the party. Now they don't really want any part of coming out or being social, things like that. Um, they may even buy sources that can be harmful, like they're increasing their drug use, or, or I'm sorry, they're increasing their alcohol use. Maybe they started using drugs uh, where they have not done that before. All those things are kind of coping mechanisms for them just to cope with pain, um, or they even purchase a gun. Um, something kind of radical reckless decisions like that, that people are making just major changes in their lives. It's like, well, this is very rational. This is very out of the ordinary for my, you know, my friend or my brother or sister or family member to do this. Their mood is constantly changing. You know, they're maybe they're sad for several periods of time. They're sleeping longer than they usually do, or they're not sleeping much at all. They're very anxious and moody and um, they just feel helpless. They just have no interest in things. You know, they, these are a lot of the things I can look back and I see that happened over a pattern of years um, in phases of my brother's life. So if I put all this together, it's like, wow, this uh, you know, makes sense. And one of the other things too is like sudden happiness. Again, towards the end, he was in this, seems to be in this place of good. It's they don't wanna go back to all those burdens and hardships that they've once dealt with again. They're so tired of going through something so hard that they don't wanna to have to go through that again. So they make that decision at that time. And that's why it's so hard to you know, um, recognize. But if we have an idea of some of these signs you know, that I just mentioned, um, we can be more aware and more tuned in that, oh, okay, this, you know, I'm gonna keep an eye on this. I'm gonna watch if this behavior continues. I'm gonna watch if this mood continues. Um, and then if it does, you have those conversations, you go directly in and, and start a conversation. Hey, I'm worried about you. I've noticed X, Y, and Z. Um, is there something you want to talk about? You know, and then if the conversation continues and maybe they allude to, yeah, I'm not really in a good place. I'm feeling, you know, down and depressed lately. Oh man, you know, I've been there before. You're not thinking about hurting yourself or anything, are you? You know, be direct, say those things. Listen, I'm here for you. If you need anything, just know I'm here. That can be a simple conversation right there. And and I think it's great that you brought that up because that's a question I had. Is it is it better just to be direct and say, um, are you thinking about hurting yourself or do you beat around the bush? What's you know, yeah. how do you approach that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always say always, always, always say something. You don't want to walk away not saying anything. Um Saying, because the thing is, is that we've said this before, and I know that sometimes it's a concern when parents are afraid to talk to their, you know, teenagers about adolescent suicide, or if they're in a bad place and they're concerned that they may be having suicidal thoughts or anything like that. 
The thing is, is that if they're having those thoughts, they're already in their head. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to put those thoughts in their head. And by you saying that, it's not going to put that idea in their head. Our youth, our adolescents, I mean, are are very um, smart. <laughs> they're very um, you're smarter than I was as a teenager, that's for sure. Um, and the thoughts that are going on in their head, um, there's if they were thinking about it, that thoughts crossed their head probably more than once already. So what they're waiting for is someone to actually recognize that. And now all of a sudden they don't feel alone in those thoughts anymore. They don't feel like what they're thinking is wrong or abnormal. You know, it's a feeling and it's emotion. Any feeling and emotion that anybody feels is normal. There's nothing wrong with that. It's how do we process that? How do we get through these feelings and emotions? Because if we don't get them out, they just stay in our head. They just stay there. They circle. They make it worse. They they make us feel, you know, like we're incapable um, and things like that. But imagine that feeling if someone, for example, if I was feeling down and depressed and, and time suicidal, and I'm keeping all these feelings to myself, personal, and it's kind of, it's, I'm kind of like stuck in a, a room, you know, with two inches walls all around me and I can't move and everywhere I go, I'm stuck. Um, and someone says to me, hey, Tressa, you know, I see you acting different lately and I'm concerned about you. Um, are you having thoughts of hurting yourself? To me, my shoulders kind of drop and I take like that big deep breath inside and it's like, wow, like someone actually gets me. like. Someone is 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 showing up for me. Like I, I'm not going through these thoughts by myself. It's opening that door. And so we always say be direct and ask because that person may be waiting for that for someone to just, you know, ask them this question, make them feel that they're not alone. And the answer you may not get back, you know, even from a teenager is like, oh my gosh, no. Or when I asked I asked my brother this once before, no, I would never do that. Okay, you know. Hey, I just wanted to make sure, you know, I just wanted to make sure they're here for you. But still that person on the inside, it's kind of like a, you know, a deep breath that they feel like they're not so, you know, caught up in these feelings. It's always so good to be direct because you never know what, again, the conversation could open. Um, there's no beating around the bush to this. The, the fact is, is that, and we say this too to our teenagers when we talk in school, is that you would rather, I would rather your friend be mad at you uh, for going to the guidance counselor at school and saying, hey, I'm worried about my friend or she told me that she was going to take her life and I'm concerned about her. And now this student having to be taken to guidance and their parents called because this was alluded to them then and that friend maybe be mad at me for a month or two, then my friend be dead. And we say that this is what you be direct because you care about this person, you care about their safety, their well-being, and them being here tomorrow. Um, so it never hurts by saying these words. There's nothing wrong with you asking that question. Um, and you, you, you say this with the most empathetic ways possible. Say, I'm only asking you this because I care about you. And I've heard so many stories of this happening and I don't want this to happen to you. And I want you to know I'm here for you. So you can follow up with that you know, with something very, you know, um, and empathize with that a little bit. But being direct is, as I say, a thousand percent, absolutely be direct. And, and you also touched on, you know, reaching out to a, a guidance counselor. Mm -hmm. And my question is, it, 
when you're having that conversation with someone, if uh, they do open up and say, yes, I'm, I'm thinking about hurting myself, or even if they say no, but you don't quite believe them and you want to you know, give them a, a resource or point them in the mm-hmm. right direction, what, what is a good next step? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, letting them know um, that you're pretty much here for them in those resources and you want to give them something else there. Um, going to, if it's a student and they want to go to their guidance counselor to ask more resources, that's why they're there. That's why counselors exist. That's why there's national resources out there and, and call and text lines that are available You know, on our website, you know, lrjfoundation.com. We have a resource tab that literally has hotlines and referrals for a reason because there's so much resources out there that maybe not at the moment this person wants to reach out or seek help, but maybe at 11 o'clock p.m. when the wave of emotion hits them again and they feel like they're not in a good place, all of a sudden they have this maybe number or text line that they can reach out to because someone shared that with them. So, you know, sharing something with someone, being asking direct to say, hey, I'm here if you want to help me if you want me to help you go to someone to talk to, uh, help you find a resource, I'm here. Well, we have to remember as someone that's trying to help someone else go through something is that we don't always have to have all the answers. We can say, I don't know the right answer to this right now, but I'm happy to help you find it. I don't know how to help you or I don't know how to answer this question for you right now, but I could help you do that. You know, we always want to go in and we don't have to have everything, but we do is have to have the confidence and the the ability to go in and and be there for them and then lead them to help. But there's so many resources out there. And what we say to our students when we're educating in school is to go to our counselors, here's these resources to reach out. There's so much help out there and uh, community resources and great organizations that are doing things to support everyone. Um, so we have to just find what's out there. And again, that goes back to just being knowledgeable and, and getting more education on things that are there for you. But, you know, if there's a student in school that's worried about a friend um, and never can hurt to go to your guidance counselor and say, hey, I would love some resources on maybe local counselors or suicide prevention. I want to give it to one of my friends. That is awesome. That is so great to do. And just having the ability to, and the confidence to do that having our um, adults share that with their children to, to be that support system to someone and, and share and, and reach out. Um, that's part of the coping mechanisms and post-vention education we teach within our programs is, is about ways to have these conversations and being there for someone. You don't need all the right answers, but you can lead someone to help. What about if you're on the other side? So let's say your friend or family member did take their own life Mm -hmm. how do you move forward or take the steps to you know again we talked about you know that that second guessing that um you know just really just taking the the air out of you and um and just you know getting away from analyzing every single conversation that you ever had with them and thinking oh they said this i should have realized or or, or even that, you know, I, why didn't they reach out to me or tell me I would have helped them? Yeah. How, how does someone cope with that moving forward? Yeah, you know, and that's, um, that's a very great question. And it's a lot of work on someone's part to go through that. 
what they have to do is give themselves grace first and foremost, because this is not something they asked for. You know, this is something that was put on them and now they have to figure it out and get through this, which is going to take time and work. You know, when you hear of the word PTSD, it's post-traumatic, you know, stress it, that happens in, in a situation just like this too. It's a traumatic situation that someone went through and you have to work through this trauma that you experience and it takes time. Um, so you have to give yourself grace. You have to understand that, you know, no matter at times all you could have done or the efforts you could have done may or may not have prevented it. We don't have the answers to all those questions and what I had to do it myself it took some time and it took maybe a couple years um is I had to stop asking myself I'm sorry I had to stop putting the pressure on myself to find the answer because the only answer I was going to find these things from was my brother and my brother is gone so I had to either stay in a place of sadness of anxiety at times of you know the up and, and downs of my mood, or I can move forward with my life. I can use this tragedy to help others. I can make a difference, um, use this to fuel dreams and passions of mine because my brother would be so proud of me. Um, there's directions you can take it rather than staying in such a hard place, but it takes steps to do that. And that's why we there's amazing uh, group supports out there counselors to go through to get you through uh, uh, trauma resolution therapy. Um, you know, this is, this is serious. And this is something that can really impact your life and moving forward. And it goes in a cycle. Again, you can be doing so well for a while, and then it kind of cycles you back again. You thought you got through that initial shock phase and anger, and now you're moving past in your grief. And all of a sudden, you find yourself back in shock again, and you're starting to cycle all, all over. Um, you have to put in the work. You have to put in the work to get through this. And I say is, is not to do that alone. Finding a great counselor that you can connect to to get you through these stages is really important. Um, support groups for other people that have lost someone to suicide that know exactly what it feels like when you say, you know, I feel guilty. Uh, I could have done more. What if I could have saved my brother? And you share that with someone else who also lost a sibling or a, a child or a friend they get you. So connecting again to people that are in the same place as you is super important. Um, but you have to go through these processes. You have to put in the work. Um, again, you, we didn't ask to be in this place. We didn't ask to have all this hurt put on us and deal with all this pain and grief and loss of someone who we love so much that we want them back and, and we can't get them back. And there's nothing that will change that. There's nothing more hurtful than, than that to go through your life, the rest of your life and not have someone you love, you know, be there with you and have these experiences with you and create more memories. I remember one of the hardest things for me at one point it hit me was that there was not gonna be any more new memories I was gonna have with my brother. The memories I had were the only memories I was ever gonna have. And I'm reliving some of the same memories. I'm like, I want new memories. And there's not any new memories. And that was really hard for me. So again, that kind of shook me back up again. Um, but again, I've done the work. I've put the training in. I've connected with people. I've talked to counselors. I, I found what cope, coping skills work for me. I know when I 
have I get a good workout in the morning when I keep my mind right, I connect to positive influences, I stay optimistic. Those are things for me that work. And when I keep myself in that place, I can move through, you know, the 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 loss of losing someone to suicide and getting through every single person has to find what works for them. And they have to do that by connecting to other people that can get them to that next place. It may take a month, it may take two months, it may take two years. And I would be lying if I said that some people hasn't take two years or longer to get through that if you lost a child to suicide, but it has. Um, and, and that's just what the nature of this beast is. But if you surround yourself with people and walk through this tragedy of this journey of losing someone to suicide um, together with someone, whether it's even virtually connecting to online great reading sources, um, being a part of forums. If you don't like the in-person groups and stuff like that, or want to sit face-to-face -to, -face to a counselor, that's okay. You may not. You may be more of an introvert and don't want to do something like that or feel ashamed. Um, my my mother liked to go to group counseling sessions and, and be around other people. I didn't. I like to go to the one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions and, and have a real conversation and dig in deep with a counselor individually. My mom liked to be connected with other moms and that lost a son to suicide or a daughter to suicide. It's what works for you, but you have to try different things and you have to put yourself out there and get through this because it's um, it's grinding, but I promise you, you, you get over that hump. Um, it's going to be the most rewarding thing you've ever done because at the end of the day, this is what we're left with. And you either can take your life forward or you can stay and, and kind of live in a lot of pain and hurt. And, and there's no really sense of doing that. There's a great life for you to live out there and you should live it to your fullest. Teresa, so it's, it's clear that your, your knowledge and, and your passion um, has really you know, brought you to developing your foundation. Can you talk more about the programs that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the LRJ Foundation has uh, several programs that we bring into uh, schools and communities, and we like to focus each area on on the specific audience we're working with. So we have tailored programs for elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, uh, parent universities to really speak to just parents and caretakers, also teacher development educational programs to support our teachers um, on whether it's knowledge for their own self-care on mental health and wellness, um, or also suicide prevention training that's specific, you know, to the state of Pennsylvania, which is um, Act 71, which is requiring all teachers, you know, to have four hours of suicide prevention training every five years. So LRJ's program, you know, fulfills that model there to supporting our teachers in schools. So we're kind of really versatile and uh, broad on our programs. And we've even um, extended our, our programs to more detailed topics. We break down to the school's needs. You know, we're very customizable to the organization, agency, or school that we're working with. Because again, like people, every school uh, district, um, school itself can be dealing with several different problems. You know, maybe the fifth grade, for example, has more issues with bullying. Um, girls are maybe experiencing some maybe self-esteem this year as they're kind of growing and changing in their bodies and, and things and they're feeling the counselors and teachers are sensing that a little bit, you know, we'll come in with specific programs around mental health, wellness, target a little bit more on, you know, self-esteem and awareness and, and things like that. Talk more about bullying um, education and, and how that impacts our mental health. So it's very customizable 
too to what the school specifically dealing with. Um, so that's what makes it really fun too, is that we really can come in and meet schools and communities um, where, right where they're at. So how do schools reach out? How, you know, let's say a, a school has a need, um, mm-hmm. how, how do they reach out to the foundation to get that assistance? Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's super easy. You know, on our website, lrjfoundation.com, we have our contact tab at the top. They can fill out that form and um, put their name and school information there and reach out to us. Or, And we can talk about programs that we can bring in um, to their school, you know, on whatever platform they feel um, best fitting, you know, for their schedule. And are schools the the only organizations able to get assistance from the foundation? No, we've expanded, you know, schools are primarily our main, you know, uh, target audience, but we work with a lot of community groups as well, um, different agencies and also business mental health and business wellness. Um, That's been a nice expansion to ours over the past few years and something that we're actually really digging into more, um, now and moving forward is that we truly feel that if we can get into the schools and reach our students, um, the kids, and we can get into the workplace and reach the parents and caretakers, you know, we're reaching the whole family, you know, we're reaching the community um, in all different avenues. So business support, whether it's, hey, we can pop in for like a lunch and learn, they can virtually bring us in for an educational session, have a conversation, same thing to our schools, you know, we are not closed off to any um, location. We want to educate everyone and everyone. Perfect. And I, I know personally, I've, I've heard about the great things that you've done in, in Pennsylvania um, for community members that want to volunteer or, or to donate, where can they go and how do they do that? Yeah, you know, that's, that's awesome. And that's one of the, you know, prime, you know, primary ways that we can offer our services and, which are led and created by mental health professionals, you know, to these schools and to the businesses to keep everyone in a very good mental health um, place and get the sources they need is, you know, sometimes that takes funding, that takes support, that sharing or organization, you know, just saying, like you said, you heard about LRJ Foundation in our community and doing great things. The more people can share that our services are out there and connections out there to bring people our way, so they can become more informed to get the resources, you know, sharing what's out there, letting people know that we're here. LRJ can bring programs into your schools. You know, just sharing the word is a huge way. Um, it's a huge help. We love when people can just have that um, that um, support out there and share too, you know, of course, we've had several businesses in the area join us as partners so they can become a partner and sponsor uh, educational programs that go into a school. So that's another great ways for community to get involved if they, you know, their business, um, an individual wants to say, hey, I really like this program. I want, I would love to see this at my, you know, child's school or would love to bring this into my community and they would like to sponsor a presentation to happen. That's another great way as well. Um, just recently, we've had a partnership with Pennsylvania Ambulance, and it was awesome. 300 staff members and EMTs wore our shirts for our big Wear Yellow Day campaign that we do on September 10th. 
they did a huge t-shirt drive and they were spreading the awareness and bringing positivity into the community member and showing that there's support out there. T-shirt sales like that was a great way to um, bring funding back to LRJ Foundation, which circles right back into the community to go out and support and educate our schools. So there's several different ways to do that. Um, obviously, monetary donations, uh, spreading the word of the organization, um, sharing what we do in, with our schools and saying how we can help and um, just everyone coming together to, to make that happen. That's great information. And um, I really appreciate your time. I, I can't thank you enough for helping to educate us on, on suicide and, and the LRJ Foundation. And, and I hope that we can speak again in the future. Yeah, Nico, thank you so much. Um, this has been fantastic to talk about it ways we can move forward is just great people like yourself um, bringing resources and support into the community to reach audiences that we may not have the chance to reach out to. So um, thank you for joining us in this mission. And, um, you know, as always, um, LRJ Foundation um, is here to support, um, like you mentioned, not only our schools and our community members, but any of those on a personal and um, basis. Um, our website is lrjfoundation.com and we're here to help. Perfect. Well, thank you again and uh, stay safe. You too. Thanks, Nick. Thank you to everyone listening for being part of this week's episode. I'd love to hear any feedback or ideas. They can be sent to PennsylvaniaHeroes at gmail.com. Please also be sure to follow our Twitter feed at PA underscore heroes. Be safe and see you next week.